When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My next guest is David Sokol, and this man is just a hero to me, and, and I, I've been um, reading his bio, by the way. And by the way, David, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. So uh, I was reading your bio, and it's just amazing. Uh, you know, you, you grew up in uh, – is it true you grew up in Omaha? Yeah, well, just, just outside of Omaha, on the north side of Omaha, yep. It's just – it's amazing to me how many – incredibly successful people in the financial business, <laughs> you know, have grown up in Nebraska. So I don't know what it is. There's something in the water, but it, you know, uh, you got Warren Buffett and you have you and the founder of uh, uh, the American trade uh, is from Nebraska. Rick, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. So, and you're, you've been one of my heroes. And I, I, by the way, I was also reading and tell me if I'm right about this, that you're a member of the Horatio Alger society. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I became a member in 2004. It was a real yeah, honor. So that's incredible. So you know, these the, you all know the story of Horatio Alger. The people who really grew up with very little and became very successful in life, and that's the whole American dream story. And so, David, first of all, congratulations on your new book that just came out with uh, my friend Adam Brandon called "America in Perspective." And as I have read just the first parts of it, it's really about how we can get back to restoring the American dream that you were able to take advantage of and, and you're uh, emblematic of the American dream in America. So why don't you start by telling us, and, and incidentally, folks, we'll be taking your calls at the very end of the hour. So that um, more money hotline number is 1-800-848-9222. I'm going to try to persuade David to stay on so you can actually ask him some questions about how do we get the American dream restored? Cause that's what this country is all about. But, Tell us, David, what you think the condition uh, – in other words, let me put it like this. Do you think that kids today have the same opportunities that you did you know, when you became successful? Yeah, it's a great question. It really leads, Steve, to why Adam and I wrote the book. Um, I think the answer is yes. I think the American dream is still alive and well, and America right. is an exceptional, an exceptional place. However, uh-huh. we're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's really why we wrote the book is to try and get people to recognize and step back and think about how did America become so exceptional? Why did it? And how do we get back to those basic uh, and and frankly very straightforward principles that our founding fathers laid out? And so tell tell us if you would wouldn't mind how, how did you do it? Uh, what what do you think are some of the keys? To your success, you built you know successful businesses. You've been an incredibly successful investor. Um, what would you tell young? I mean, what do you tell young people about how how to pursue the American dream? You know, just set, set your sights on your dream. You know, in my case, yeah. to be honest, my my goal was you know I came from a lower income rural family in Nebraska. My goal was to get my salary at some point above my age. And I know that sounds <laughs> right. like a pretty simple <laughs> dream. <laughs> Right. But back, in, but back in in the early '70s, and that that was that was a lot. And uh, but by following that and chasing, uh, you know, a good education, 
putting myself through school and, and, you know, a lot of people helping me along the way. I had the opportunity in 1983 to, to start my first company um, and, and had no money. Uh, just had what was to, that? What was, sorry, David, what was that company that you first started? It was a waste, waste energy company called Ogden Martin Systems. And uh-huh. it used, used a German technology and, and uh, started out with just myself and an assistant. And uh, when I sold my interest in the company uh, eight years later, it had 1,200 employees and, and, and wow. uh, was publicly traded in a billion-dollar company. How, do you, how did you because, get them? How did you get the capital to start the, the business? Um, was able to get contracts signed to take the garbage from municipalities, and by using wow. those contracts, and because we were an environmental um, company cleaning up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, landfills and that. We were able to right. tax exempt revenue bonds and uh, wow. and then shared the profits back with the communities and uh, it really worked out terrific. There were we ended up with 19 of those plants around the country and uh, wow. frankly they should still be built today. Um, unfortunately, wow. the yeah. environmental movement um, discontinued the emphasis on waste energy and moved it towards recycling. And the, frankly, you need both. But but again, you it's, it's uh, yeah. But America. You know, no one ever told me I couldn't do it. No one ever, right. ever tried to get in my way. It was just if you're willing to work hard enough. And that's, you know, that's the issue. That's the American dream. And, you know, it's it's interesting, Steve, when you think about it, there's no China dream. There's no Russia dream. There's no right. Europe exactly. dream. Right. There's only right. the American dream. And there's a reason for that. And what is that? Well, it's a meritocracy. We have a capitalistic meritocracy that our right. founding fathers set up. And, and, it, and while a meritocracy does have some drawbacks, um, it is the best system ever devised. And we have a government of the people and by the people, at least we used to. And, and those two things together unleash un, untold amounts of human capital and allow people to become artists and, and uh, economists and, and business right. people and all right. different things. Um, and it doesn't matter you know, what your, your sexual orientation is, your gender, your your uh, race, uh, religion, if you're willing to work hard in America, you can get there. And it's proven every day. So, David, did you um, – I've, I've been lucky in my life, not not as um, successful as you have been, but I've been fortunate in my life because I – and when I look back at, you know, how I was able to succeed in my career, um, I really can point to about three or four um, mentors that I've had that have really had a – profound impact on my life and set me on the right direction. Um, I wonder if you've had mentors like that, that have, have had a meaningful part of your success. I did. It started with my father who, who was, you know, uh, only a high school education, but believed deeply. His, his parents came from Poland in the early 1900s and he, he, no one believed in the American dream more than my father did. And he insisted wow. that his kids take now, advantage. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Four. Oh wow! Okay, and, uh, where are you in the birth yeah, order? I'm the youngest, and oh, okay. uh, all of them, yeah, you know, all of them very successful in their different. Uh-huh. You know, two of them were teachers. One one runs a ranch, and one was a, a professor at the university in engineering. And uh, wow! And so, so my dad was a huge mentor, and just in the sense that you know he, yeah. he didn't take no for an answer. If you wanted to go right. after it, you had to go go do it. And then yeah. a, a boss I had uh, right after I got out of college was tremendously influential in, in helping. Uh, guide me not to be scared of taking risks. Right. And, uh, and, and then several, you know, several thereafter, Walter Scott, who was the CEO of the Kiewit companies and Dennis Washington and uh, a number of other successful business people were kind enough to, to help me along the way. 
Now, did you uh, do you know Warren Buffett? Are you friends with him? What's your relationship with him? Because I know you worked. You were, didn't you work for Berkshire Hathaway at one point? Yeah, yeah I, I sold eighty uh, percent of Mid American Energy to Berkshire in two thousand, and then worked for Mr. Buffett for eleven years. Um, so yeah, I worked uh, very closely with him and made several dozen acquisitions uh, during that eleven year period. And then I retired in March of two thousand eleven. Okay, and what, how, how, do you have a good relationship with Warren Buffett? You know, uh, we haven't talked since I left. He uh, he unfortunately, um, I think, uh, uh, decided to accuse me of something when I when I left that uh, was proven not to be true, and in fact that he had authorized me to to do something um, in writing. Yeah. But you know, I I had a great relationship when I was there. I, I uh-huh. you know didn't, didn't didn't like the way it ended, um, uh, but I think. I think he recognized after time that he he probably yeah. got talked into it by one of his lawyers and right, and uh, right. but uh, but my my business partner Greg Abel is vice chairman of Berkshire today and and runs all of the non insurance businesses. Uh, he's he, he he and I ran Mid American for for years together wow. and uh, he's a phenomenal guy. And so you know I I respect Mr. Buffett and Berkshire and have great great respect and, and admiration for Greg Abel. So tell me about the, you know, as I said, I just started reading the book. I just got it, and I'm just fascinated by it because I do think the American dream, I, I'm worried about it as well. I'm, I agree with you. It's not dead by any means. We, we've lived through tough stretches. I'm worried about what's happening in Washington, D.C., frankly, uh, and I'm worried a little bit about what's happening on college campuses and the wokeism. Uh, what are your kind of broad thoughts about where America is headed? I know that's why you wrote this book. And what kind of advice would you give our political leaders to help us get out of this ditch we're in right now on the economy? Yeah, well, you know, you you hit each of those serious points. I mean, today, only about 15 percent of the public schools in America still teach American history or civics. Wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Say that. Wait, I can't even believe that statistic. I'm so horrified by it. Say that again, will you please? Because I want to make sure you said 15 percent only. One out of seven schools are teaching traditional American history or civics. Yeah, or, ha- or have, a, have a mandated requirement to take it between kindergarten and 12th grade. Oh, my and God. You know, when I was a kid, it was you had to take uh, two, two years of American history in high school and you had to take a civics class. Uh, and that's Absolutely. Why so, many of our, so many of our young people today don't even know. You know, you, you see somebody being interviewed. I saw it the other day, a young woman in New York saying, well, we just have to start electing better Supreme Court justices. Um, I mean, that's almost impossible for me to believe that someone could be a college-educated person and think that we elect Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to get her get her number and call her and ask her who she voted for. But, um, you know, it's, it's just yeah. it, it, we've lost that. And, and because of that, many of our elected leaders have lost their, their view of America first and their responsibility yeah. to sustain the Constitution. I think what we have to do is get back, you know, first of all, I would I would urge the Senate, if it ends up under Republican control, which I hope it does this fall, to reestablish the filibuster under all cases to 60 votes, uh, correct the mistake that Harry Reid made in 2013. Me too. Um, yeah, our, our country was based by the founders on consensus, and we've lost that. Today we, yeah. we're, we're turning it into a tribal, you know, people are trying to turn us into tribes warring against yeah. each other instead of the, mel- the melting pot we've always been. And they're doing that because they, they don't like consensus. They want to be able, the elites want to do- tell us what the answer is. Right. And, um, 
And then to get our economy back, we, we've got to stop this foolish spending. Uh, we've yeah. got to you know, target, target bringing the debt down over time. And we, frankly, have to get off this suicide mission on energy transition um, that we're on because the, the inflation we're feeling is, is in my view, st- uh, stroke by three things. One, one is the, the terrible way we're dealing with the energy situation in America and globally. Secondly, the excess amount of capital that government you know, has thrown at the COVID situation, which one could argue whether or not the first stimulus package under President Trump was oversized. Uh, I think it was. But there's no basis for the $2 trillion that President Biden immediately uh, asked for as soon as he got elected. That was nothing but a political uh, right. effort. And then on top of that, a trillion dollars in an infrastructure fund that's going to be managed by someone who is entirely unqualified to do so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, welcome it, to Washington. It, it, I mean, I don't know if you saw, David, the study that I just co-authored with that's gotten a lot of attention that none of these people in the Biden administration have any business experience at all. And so yeah. uh, they we need people like you in our cabinets and our, our, our you know agencies who know how to run things. I mean, when, David, one of the things that I find just so outrageous is you know, I agree with you entirely about way overspending, but it's not just the amount they've spent. It's the fact that you look at these programs, David, whether it's the unemployment insurance program, whether it's Medicaid, whether it's food stamps, whether it's uh, the PPP program, massive, multi-billions of dollars of fraud, and nobody does a damn thing about it. I mean, they shrug their shoulders and act like this is a uh, cost of doing business. David, some of these programs have 20% fraud rates. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exactly right. And a big chunk of that is, you know, through most of my life, presidents tried to put the best and the brightest on their cabinet. And and this this current uh, administration, uh, and your, your writing was, was what really drew my attention so thoroughly to it. You know, I mean, again, I'm sure our, our Secretary of Transportation is a nice person. I don't, I don't know him. I don't have right. a reason to believe he isn't nice. But I've seen his resume. And, you know, in all honesty, he has zero background to administer a billion-dollar project, let alone a trillion-dollar undertaking exactly. um, in the midst of this kind of, of inflation. And, you know, and, and the answer is we've got an entire cabinet of identity politics, and there's two big problems with that. Picking a cabinet secretary for the secretary of transportation just because he's gay, that's not a qualification. It's a state of being. Right. He has no educational background for it, no work experience for it. And then he takes the first four months off to have a child again, which I have no issue with other than you, you don't accept a cabinet post in the United States government where you're responsible for millions of employees and, and, and now trillions of dollars. And take the first four months off. Just don't accept the number. It's really incredible. Hey, David, uh, I promised my listeners that I would take a couple of callers. Would you mind hanging out and taking some a couple of questions from our audience? No, I'd, uh, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. Okay. Well, Mr. Producer, do we have any callers? We actually do not have any callers right now, but okay. uh, we so, encourage uh, people to call in 1-800-848-9222. And so we have time for one or two questions. But meanwhile, while we wait for that, um, I want to say this to you, David. Uh, by the way, I'm talking to David Sokol, who is an uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire, has become extreme, extremely successful in his in his business life. And he is a uh, member of the um, Horatio Alger Society, which is really cool. Those are 
the great Americans who've risen up, you know, truly. By the way, can I ask you a question, David? I saw this quote a few uh, months ago by um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know if you know who she is. She's the, you know, one of the more liberal members of the uh, of the uh, Democratic House. And she made this point about what is this about raising yourself up from your bootstraps? You can't do that in America today. And I, I found that to be an offensive statement. And I mean, you're someone who who did, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So what do you say when people say that you can't pull yourself up from your bootstraps? Well, first of all, it's it's ironic given that she was a, a waitress in a bar before she became a U.S. Congresswoman. Exactly. So, so the fact right. that you know that you would think she would be praising the reality of America, and not not harming it. Well, she's just part of this this progressive movement of Elizabeth Warren and others, who 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 got their piece of the American pie, but they think the way. To, to make America great in the future is for only the elites, as they call it, to, to govern our society and be able to make decisions for people like me who, are, I guess, are deplorable. And, um, and, and you know, I, I have to tell you, I couldn't think of someone less qualified to be an elite than, than, than Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. Right. Um, you know, her, when she was first elected, she was interviewed, and if you find that tape, uh, look at her understanding and a question she's asked about uh, the three uh, branches of government. And it's, yeah. it's, you, you watch it, and it's like breathtaking that, that a congressperson could be that uninformed. Well, you know, you're making a point that I like, I like to make a lot. I mean, I think uh, AOC is actually, I mean, she's not a, she's a, I believe she's a bright person. I think she has a good head on her shoulder. I think the problem has been She's just regurgitating all this crap that they're teaching her kids from the time they're in first grade, and she never has been exposed to the kinds of things that you, that you, uh, you know, that you talk about in your book and what makes America great. And that gets back to your point about not teaching American history and not teaching civics. She just doesn't know this stuff because our school system failed her. No, that's right. And we've got a press that on balance doesn't ask follow-up questions that have any meaning. And I mean, when people say that they're in favor of moving in a, so, a socialist direction, um, you know, a, a reporter should say, well, tell, show me where that's worked. You know, <laughs> right. How has that worked? It's never worked. It never will work for some very fundamental and obvious reasons. But but we don't ask those questions. And we have to get back to that because she may well be a nice person, but she spouts things that are just Right. They're just wrong. And right. um, and it's unfortunate because we have way too much of that. So what kind of re- I, I saw you had made a statement this week about these abysmal inflation numbers. And um, I just wonder what uh, I, I'm very worried about our country right now, where we're at. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I've lived through seven recessions, so I know we I always bet on America. I know we're going to come out of this, but I think things could get worse before they get better. We've got the Democrats in the Congress want to pass another $500 billion to a trillion-dollar spending bill, by the way, um, David, with more taxes on our small businesses. I mean, how in the world is that going to create more jobs and more prosperity for this country? It's not. I mean, the, the, the biggest problem we have is excess government spending, uh, yep. a totally insane energy policy. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, if, if you know, and I will say this, by the way, thank God for Joe Manchin. <laughs> right. Um, right. Because it, it, it and it's it's also one of the reasons why the, the Republicans and the Democrats have to reestablish the strength of the filibuster 
and, and get us back to consensus. But if I could give one piece of advice to the United States yeah. Congress would be to break up into committees. Each, uh, each committee take one of the administrative agencies of our government and just, just try to work them back to modestly close to efficient. Spend, spend one period of time resetting and, and, and just focus on what we already have and get rid of the waste. Because your point earlier, you know, people don't even flinch anymore at billions of dollars of waste. And that's yeah. insane. Do we have any callers yet, Mr. Producer? We do. First off, we got Steve from New Jersey. Steve, we've only got a few minutes left, so uh, you're on with Dave Sokol. Uh, please ask a quick question, and let's, uh, let's let him answer it. Very quick, Steve. Uh, I listen to you every Saturday. I enjoy your program. Uh, question posed for you and your guest. Um, uh, I see people discretionary spending. The airline airplanes are full. People seem to be absorbing the price of fuel and uh, other things that are staples in our lives. So with, with the talk of uh, inflation, how long do you guys think this will continue in a seemingly euphoric world of discretionary spending before people start tightening up and, and it hits a wall? Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, it's a good question. I'll take a whack at it, and then, David, I'd love your analysis. I think what's happening right now is people are digging into their savings, and they are raising up their credit card debt to pay the bills because their paychecks are not going up as fast as the as the inflation. And I worry that that uh, you know, story is going to have an unhappy ending. But what is your take on that? Yeah, I think there's two things, Stevie. I, I, w- I was around and graduating from college in 1978 and watched inflation affect everybody in the Midwest. And, and, and I saw some of the same things then that you're seeing now, which is people thinking they can get ahead of inflation by spending now. And you yep. end up with a, a cycle that, um, yep. that doesn't end well. And uh, what the government's got to do is tighten monetary po- policy, slow the yep. economy to an extent, get interest rates where they need to be. And people need to also, you know, not only is government overspent, people have had a tendency to over leverage, you know, at home as well. And, and, and it's just going to take some time. And unfortunately, it's going to be uh, a little painful. But what you can't do is what the government, you know, what, what this administration wants to do is just throw more money. Um, and, and, and their interest in doing that has one reason, and that's to get through the fall elections and hopefully not lose as many seats. That's not good government. Uh, well put, David Sokol. Um, it's been a, just a privilege to have you on. Can, can we have you on in another few weeks? And, you know, I, I, there are 100 questions I wanted to ask you. We didn't have enough time to get to them. But the new book, uh, remind people what the it's uh, American Renewal. What's what's the title of the book? American, American Perspective, uh, uh, Adam Brandon and I. And you can get it either through freedomworks.org or through Amazon. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really just a, an effort to get us back to the basics. Yep, it's a great it's a great read, folks. It's a it's important uh, a prescription for how we fix this country, and boy, do we need it. David, you're a hero of mine. Thanks for coming on. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at eight. 8- 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.